This is History 605, where we discuss everything from Crazy Horse to cyberspace. I'm Dr. Ben Jones, South Dakota State Historian and Director of the South Dakota State Historical Society. Welcome to the show. Welcome to History 605. This morning, we have Diane DeRosier, who is the Tribal Historic Preservation Officer of the Sisseton Wapanen Ayote. I've asked her to join us today to discuss the history of something all of us have probably heard of, but um, something that uh, we probably don't know much about, and that is the powwow. Um, and I'm wondering, the term powwow, uh, Diane, I was wondering if you could give us just a brief introduction of yourself and your job. Uh, what, what does a tribal historic preservation officer do? And then where does that word come from? Sure. Good morning. My name is Diane DeRosier, and I'm the Tribal Historic Preservation Officer for the Sistanwapton Oyate on the Lake Traverse Reservation in northeastern South Dakota. Um, with regard to powwow, so uh, powwow, you know, I suppose there have been many terms over the years. I can only address what I know of the powwow. So I believe that the term was and it it was early on an eastern uh i don't know if it would have been the algonquin out of the algonquin family mm -hmm. i believe it is out okay. of the algonquin i'm not sure but uh out, some of the eastern tribes have a word that was pawas that was uh and it was just kind of adopted powwow you know it went through that you know it went through, it came through just how everything else evolves I believe that it was derived from from that early um, that early exposure from that of that word, but okay. for the Dakota people and the Lakota people, and the Nakota people in South, who are reside in areas of South Dakota, Montana, North Dakota, Minnesota, our word has always been Wachipi, okay. which means dance, and okay. so. Um, Wachi means to dance, and Wachipi, meaning they dance. So that's just okay. our own tribal term for it, and we are members of the Ocheti Shakoi, so that is the term that we use. And we like to use our own term uh, just because that, that's what it is to us. Sure. Um, Powwow is a very contemporary name that came about, you know, in recent years or within the last century, definitely, but um, we prefer to use our own word, which is Wachipi. Okay. So, uh, speaking of your own words, I was wondering, just go back a little bit, what is, what is the Ocheti Shakui? Can you, can you describe what that means? So, so as I said, the Dakota, Lakota, and Nakota are members of what is called uh, the Ocheti Shakoi, which would be a, um, gosh, I don't know if you'd call it a legion, <laughs> a legion of councils of okay. of all the different bands okay. of, of Dakota, Lakota, Nakota. But Ocheti Shakoi means the seven council fires because okay. those were the the seven main bands. And then there are sub-bands that come under those bands but the Ocheti Shakoi is how we refer to ourselves as we, that's who we are, that we are a member of this, of this group, 
Okay. So the term Sioux, um, where does that word come from? I believe that is derived from an, an Ojibwe term. Yeah. I believe we have heard that it, it's an Ojibwe. It was uh, how the Ojibwe referred to the Dakota as Sioux, which, okay. which means snake. And yeah. of course, that it's because we were traditional enemies. Right. Um, I believe that the Dakota were at one time over far, far further more east than we are not located now. And, at, and uh, as, of course, with uh, contact and um, the, the uh, influx of immigrants and the immigration influx mm-hmm. from Europe, you know, which occurred, uh, you know, in the 1400s <clears throat> and throughout. And still occurring today, uh, I believe that 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 term um, that we were pushed this way, you know, it was came to pushing, you know, as mm-hmm. as the land was uh, being um, taken. So there's a, so much more history, sure. you know, that you could cover in this conversation. Right. And uh, I, I guess it was my understanding we wanted to keep it to powwow. So yeah, well, so it, there is. There is, but that was a term that was used for us as, you know, at, from a, from one of our uh, tribes that we were. A neighboring tribe. Had, that we right. were, yeah, were historical enemies. Okay. Well, going back to the, the, the topic of powwow, um, you mentioned uh, uh, that it was a, a dance. and a, So how is it constructed? And what was what might a dance look like if if I went to one today? Uh, what are the organizing principles for a powwow? Well, I think that um, for for us, for like for here, our reservation, um, and for most reservations, I believe that early on, most of our dancing was, and there's so much history to this. Like I said, mm-hmm. our dancing was mainly ceremonial in nature. We we did the dancing uh, for different ceremonies, you know, for the hunt, for the war party, for the, you know, spirituality. Everything was done uh, in our, our dancing. It, it encompassed, you know, our our whole life and our belief systems. So, so uh, you know, in eight in the late 1800s, 1887, 88, mm-hmm. uh, when, when uh, dancing was forbidden, hmm. and uh, I believe that was due to it was all ceremonial in nature, and there were a lot of things that were forbidden, mm-hmm. you know, for us to do um, by the colonizers. So, so the dancing, we, couldn't, we could no longer dance, and we were punished if we were caught dancing and participating in in any of the dancing or anything of traditional uh, cultural ways. So so dancing, um, and I'm going to speak for the Lake Traverse Reservation. Um, we have we have one of the longest powwows uh, on record. Oh. I believe it it started in 1867, and we were dancing, although it was forbidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a later time, it was still it was 
that was in writing that it was forbidden in the 1880s, but prior to that, it was forbidden. We weren't allowed to participate or to do any of the dancing. So um, I believe that our, you know, our our leadership here understood and knew that the 4th of July was a big, important holiday mm-hmm. to to the non-Indian and to the government in Washington. And we, they were, um, our leadership was able to, uh, to, uh, I, I don't know if the word convince is to convince uh, the agents and had even written letters to D.C. to mm-hmm. be able to let us have a powwow. Oh, for the um, 4th of July? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, so uh, that that was approved, and we were able to do it, although it was, once again, quickly taken away, mm-hmm. because I feel like there was some type of feeling of a threat. Mm-hmm. There was a threat involved in, in what we were doing. So it was, uh, it was uh, quickly taken away, but we still were able to um, take it underground against you know, against the agent's wishes, against uh, the government's wishes, mm-hmm. and able to um, to keep it, you know, to keep it alive that way, and to preserve uh, some of the things that went with that. That's a far cry from the powwow we know today. Right. Um, and so, with the powwow, what we know, what it has evolved to today is, you know, it's a powwow, it's a celebration, the Wachipis are, are to celebrate something. Um, we're able to to dance freely without uh, fear of, you know, being thrown in jail or punishment. So it has come a long way. Right. I know that growing up, you know, and I, I believe that the powwows was one way that we were really able to participate in cultural, cultural like ceremonies, if you will, um, by dancing. Even though that's not a, uh, it's not a ceremony. Ceremony. It is still an act of of our cultural of cultural practice and of cultural beliefs and life ways that we are able we were able to do and to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that <clears throat> I don't know if the ban was ever really lifted on dancing, but there was a ban on dancing. And as time came forward, you know, we we just con- we started doing our dances and having our wachipis, mm-hmm. and I and I believe that it just kind of grew from that. And it was one way for us as Native Americans to show to show our pride in, in sure. ourselves and our culture mm-hmm. and and we you know the dancing we do now are are usually not related to ceremonies like they once were. Okay. But that's what it has evolved to that now we we do the dances as you know as uh, social social times like when when we all come together and and there are you know singers come and bring their drum groups and, right. and dance and sing and because without the singing you wouldn't have the dancing so the the singing and the drum groups are a very integral part 
of of the Wachipi as we know it now and always have been. Right. Um, I believe that uh, here at Siston, I think that we recently had a hundred and gosh, a hundred and sixty fifty fourth, fifty fourth annual wow. Wachipi on the fourth of July. Wow. But it wasn't always open. Yeah. You know, those those things were hidden. We had to hide those things. And um, a lot of times it wasn't to celebrate the 4th of July, but it was because of our need to to do the things that are part of our cultural identity of who we are as a sure. people. So how is, so, how do, when does a young person begin to learn uh, the singing and the dancing and so forth that, to be a part of the Wachipi? How does that how does that learning process take place? You know, that is, uh, I, I feel that being a dancer and growing up, you know, dancing myself, I feel that it it's something that's just kind of handed down in your family. If your family participate and do it, then you're more than likely will have that exposure. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that nowadays that's what I see. Um, and... I know that in our family, you know, our my grandfather, you know, was a he really wanted to strive he to uh retain as much of the culture and cultural belief systems that we could. Mm-hmm. And so speaking personally, um that's what that's what we did. You know, we we tried to keep that alive and I I think that a lot of a lot of it was was lost or taken underground, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of families didn't get it, didn't get that exposure. And I think that uh, I think that it, for my own personal experience, it was my grandfather's influence on my parent, my mother, and her brothers, their family, that that really had a lot of influence on us. Okay. So that we would dance, and not all of my siblings danced. Some of them did. We all did when we were little, and mm-hmm. and as we grew up, if we kept dancing or not, we did. And and I'm the only one who participates of my siblings now. Okay. And and we still do. I mean, and I'm not young anymore, but we still, I still do that, and have raised my children and. Um, raise my grandchildren to know and understand the Wachipis and and hopefully, you know, we'll will continue that tradition and, right. and that that uh cultural life way that, you know, that we that belongs to us, that is unique to us. If um you were to explain some um aspects of the music that people should listen for and then how did it how they translate into meaning. Um, for instance, the, the, the beat is rather profound uh, whenever I've heard uh, native dancing and so forth. And does the volume, does the tone, does the uh, tempo, does that indicate different things? Or how am I, as a, a new listener to this, how would I uh, gain something, gain the meaning from what I'm listening to? Is there certain signs or, or things I should be aware of? Well, well, definitely, 
um, the tempo or the beat of the drum mm-hmm. indicates what type of song it's going to be. Okay. So, um, you know, people who are familiar with the Wachipis, they know, you know, we know that a certain drum beat indicates a certain song and that you dance this way to that song. Okay. So, so yeah, there is. Um, how I would describe that to, like, to you, you know, if you would notice... Um, because there are actually, there are, you know, the songs are sung with words in our language too, that also provide a directive, you sure. know, for any, for any given song, you know, if, whether it's going to be an honor song, um, you know, we have a flag song that we use to okay. open our ceremonies to yes. honor the flag of the United States and our own traditional flags that we have which are uh feather eagle feather staffs so so there is you know there's there's songs for different things mm-hmm. um how you know i couldn't just in a nutshell explain to you how what song goes with what or okay. how you know that that would be a little difficult um but there are certain things that take place at the very beginning of a of a wachipi that that show you you know it's the opening ceremony okay um, and and over the years as powwows have evolved you know nowadays it's opened with what's called a grand entry okay. which i think is is a more modern uh modern approach to okay. the opening of the powwow because it's kind of like uh like a rodeo or something where there's a grand entry where everyone only in this case all the dancers dance in Yes. So it's kind of like the opening showcase okay. of the Wachipi. Okay. Well, I have been at, at events in Pier, and that must be what's going on then at a couple of things that, where there's the opening showcase and the dancers are dancing in. Um, and frankly, I think one of the most moving and profound renditions of the national anthem I've ever been at was in the Capitol in Pier with, uh, with the Wachipi drummers accompanying the music and the um, marching in of the color guard uh, with all the flags, the American flag, the tribal flags. It was really, really something to behold, quite a sight. Um, The audio, the sound, the music, as well as just the the passion with what was going on. Um, So I don't know, was that uh, maybe not strictly a Wachipi or a powwow, but it was certainly using the the mode of that. Right, right. Yep. I I believe, uh, I understand what you're saying because they, op- especially if they're going to post the colors, mm-hmm. um, you know, Native people have always been, well, we were, we had warrior societies mm-hmm. which played an integral part in of our culture and our, you know, uh, over the years, we still, we still honor our veterans. So, Absolutely. you know, we're so proud Mm-hmm. that we have uh, veterans and so that's a big part of it because they they carry in the flags and mm-hmm. there's a you know a flag song and a veteran song that's how every, every wachipi is opened up that way okay that's how it always starts yes so it's very important to follow what we have now have as protocol um and I can't speak for 1800. I didn't experience it. I don't right. know what they did. Okay. But I know that now what we see is, is you know, it, it's kind of opened up and there's like an opening prayer and okay. things like that. But 
that have to take place prior to uh, the dancing. Okay. And is that prayer at, at uh, only things for veterans, or, or is there a certain prayer for different types of ceremonies? No, it's a prayer. It's kind of a general prayer, you know. Okay. It's kind of... It, and our prayers are all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. You know, we pray for everything, everyone. You know, we pray for the earth and for the water. and You know, everything is a blessing. And right. we're and we as humans are all supposed to work in um, you know in in synchrony with all of nature and mm-hmm. with the Mother Earth. So it, the prayers are all encompassing, I would say. And so it's not just for anyone in particular. Um, if if you wanted or asked for prayers uh, for something like that, you you would do that, but you would most likely do that in, in privacy, you know, sure. for, you know, when you pray for things, but for the powwow, the, the prayer that's done there is for, it's for everyone Okay. and everything. Yes. Okay. Um, do children and adults have different roles to play uh, in the Wachipi? Yeah, they do. I think, you know, they, um, we include the children and young ones in everything we do. So, um, you know, they're, they're a part of the Wachipi and, mm-hmm. and we, you know, we raise our children to know and understand and, and they learn right away the protocols. They know, they understand, right. they know what they're, what they're supposed to do and not do and when they dance and when they don't dance. So, they learn it. It's it's a learned uh, process, I suppose. Like even with my own children, they all knew and understood, you know, what they were supposed to do and when to do it. They knew just because of observation and participation. Uh, it's so we, you know, we dress our children and bring mm-hmm. them into the dance circle, and it's you know it's important that they experience it themselves so that they know. That's what my mother did with us. Okay. You know, she dressed us and put us into the circle so that we knew that. We knew we knew these ways. Um, you know, throughout throughout these last uh, several hundred years, there have there has been cultural loss. You know, some tribes have experienced a lot more than others. Uh, some tribes have held on, you know, to their cultural ways and mm-hmm. beliefs. Uh, much more than others, but but we all strive to in the in the modern day intertribal powwow. You know, it, it we all come together, and you know it's healing. It it it's a process of healing for us too, because uh, whatever hardships you may have experienced uh, throughout the year or. When you go to that powwow and you experience, you know, the, you hear the drums and you, uh, you know, the prayers are said and, mm-hmm. you know, so there's a lot of protocol that takes place, but those are things, those are meant for healing as well. So that, you know, it, it, whatever hardships you've experienced, you can go there and, you know, get that blessing even from that, just from that experience, um, and for me, I you know I know that for my from my own experience, I know that you know the drums and uh, the singing they bring they bring that healing to you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's it's unexplainable i like we you know we've suffered so much loss and and even in my own personal life uh recently have had a lot of loss and it it's um to hear the drums to hear the songs and the prayers it's healing and uplifting you know it it reminds us that we are only a small piece in this bigger picture right and that to have that belief and the understanding in our prayers and and in our songs that that those can heal you and help you you know it's really important that that um that's a, an understood part because mm-hmm. there's so much more to it that goes way in depth you right. know than just going to the powwow to dance well and uh, you can uh, a person can go online and see uh, the schedules for various powwows that are occurring all over the country. How does, if a person wants to go, what's the best way to uh, to find out about one and uh, to attend? Well, if you have an idea of where you're go- going to be, like say you were going to be in Iowa at this certain time, you mm-hmm. could, uh, you know, Google some of the tribes in Iowa. But for for us, Mm-hmm. For uh, people who participate in powwows, and I, the term powwow people has kind of come out. Come out, <laughs> but uh, it's kind of a that's just kind of a generic modern, you know, uh-huh. contemporary term. But for people who dance, you know, and participate in the wachipis, the uh, I guess the you know the best mode is by word of mouth. Okay, I think. You know, you hear about it, and you nowadays you have Google. You can look at it. Right. You know, Google something. So you could say Iowa, and you mm-hmm. could look at the tribes in Iowa and okay. see if they're. You know, uh, if you have an idea, you could say what tribes are in Iowa, the state of Iowa, and it'll come up. And you could actually Google those tribes and see if they have, you know, uh, uh, annual uh, celebration or powwow. Okay. So when are citizens powwows? Well, the Sisseton powwow is the Fourth of July. Okay. So we just we just had our powwow here. Okay. Um, and so there are and and for we do have another one in November, which is on Veterans Day, which honors the veterans. So we have two powwows a, a year, okay. and the one one is an indoor powwow. Obviously, it's too cold to be out in November around mm-hmm. here, but um, but the Fourth uh, of July powwow in the summer is that's the big event. I mean, gosh, I I believe that this year there were probably close to a thousand dances and probably as many spectators, if not more, it was pretty big. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't participate because uh, like I said, we've experienced loss, so we have to respect our our mourning period. So Mm -hmm. during that time, you know, whatever it is, you, you know, I the thing that I I gave up was my dancing. Oh, okay. So, but I went there just to hear sure. the drums and to hear the prayers. So, right. so that was a good thing. But right. yes, yeah, so so Sisseton Wapton has two Wachipis and and they're pretty well known. The one in November will be around. Like Veterans Day is always on a Thursday, so if it's like November 14th, well then the Wachipi will be uh, held on Friday and Saturday and okay. and Sunday for the weekend. So, so there's and and throughout South Dakota there are so many different uh, Wachipis that you could attend. 
I know that uh, in October, the Black Hills, the Pahasapa Bachipi is held in yes, Rapid okay. City, and that's a big one. Okay. And uh, I believe Cheyenne River has one, Rosebud Bear, Ogallala Nation, Pine Ridge has a annual Wachipi around the first week of August. Um, okay. Uh, although with the pandemic, things have changed. Um, normally, those those happen, and and I know many tribes decided not to have their powwows due to the pandemic again this year. But Sisseton went ahead and did did our Wachipi just because it was, uh, you know, we're trying. Well, we we want to keep going with our because we've done it so many years. Mm-hmm. And last year during the pandemic, they we had a small community Wachipi on the Fourth of July, which it was important for us to continue that. And like I said, and for the prayers and right. for you know to be able to. Uh, hear the drums and the singing, you know, that's really important. So what might be the differences between, say, the way the Wachipi happens in Rapid City versus uh, the way you would do it? Is there any with music or with instruments or the or the, uh, the lyrics? Are they different or are they pretty much the same? No, or? no, nope, it's all the same. I would the say same. the only thing... The contemporary powwows have brought in the element of contest, and that's okay. what you see now. That, uh, uh, you compete so there's a winner. in contest for prizes, <laughs> yes, in okay. each category, all the way down from the little kids all the way up to the elders. I see. And that's the contemporary powwow. Okay. But we still have the traditional wachipis that take place, which are more, there's more ceremony done there. I see. At the, at the big wachipis, you don't see a lot of ceremonies take place because that's not the place for them. Okay. Not, not, that's, that's what I believe. That's not the place for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the smaller community, traditional wachipis, you see like ceremonies that take place, like name giving and okay. different things that take place. Um, maybe... Um, Gosh, initiating a dancer like uh, like a dancer is going to be their first time coming into the circle. Like okay. if they haven't grown up with it, you know, if they didn't grow up dancing, and right. you know, you you are like thirty years old, and you you know, you're like, I want to learn to dance and participate in the wachipis. They you there's a little ceremonial that can be done okay. to uh, initiate that so that you can dance. It's not required, but some people do it. And that, that's more of a contemporary thing, but okay. um, it just depends on where you're at and who, who, you know, what tribe you are. And so there are things that do, do come into play that you have to consider. Although, like I said, the difference between the contemporary contest powwow and the more traditional um you know, Wachipis, there are differences there. Although the singing, uh, the songs may be the same, unless there's a specific ceremony taking place, mm-hmm. then there would be ceremony, uh, songs just for that ceremony that would be sung. And those usually aren't done like at a, at a big contest Wachipi. Okay. So right now there's people preparing to compete in these, and are there people who are expected to win, or is it uh, 
uh, are there favorites? Uh, is it getting that serious, or do people? Um... Yeah, I think it can, but I mean, it's based on your dancing ability. Okay. So if you are good, you mm-hmm. know, you can almost uh, assume, or I don't know if that's the right word, but uh-huh. you can if you can you approach good, it with confidence. And you know, I could walk, I could sit down and watch Wachipi and see who looks good and say, "Oh wow, he's got it. He's going to win okay. it. Look at look at all his moves." I mean, it involves <laughs> a lot of strength yeah. and stamina yeah. and endurance. You well, know, yeah. there in in the men's categories, it it involves a lot. But okay. as far as you know. You kind of know who looks good, and uh-huh. I suppose if you, I wouldn't. I suppose if you want to say favorites, but they're they're favored because of their dancing ability. Sure. They're that good. Okay. You know it, it. It could be you know, and you might get like two or three people in one category, like the men's fancy. Mm-hmm. Those are always really good to watch okay. because boy, they are showing what they can do. Uh-huh. So yeah. there are there are celebrities emerging in the Wachipi. People who are yeah, I would, I becoming would kind so. of famous in, in these circles for their their um performance and so forth. Yes, among yeah. these circles I would I would say that. It's safe to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, Diane, um thank you so much for allowing me to be so ignorant about all of this and uh, for educating me on how these how these go, the origin of the term um, from the Algonquin and uh, how it has um, emerged over time and now almost into a, a competition and how the different tribes um, approach it and how the um, art of this has, has manifested itself recently into competitions and so forth. So I really enjoyed our conversation. I was wondering if you could um, share with the listeners, too, uh, your position as Tribal Historic Preservation Officer. Um, that is a, it's almost like a, a federally recognized position for your tribe. Is that correct? It is, yes. Yeah, and yep. so you're charged with, with, if you could sum up your job description, uh, how would you describe it? I would say it, well, for us, for my, for me, because I represent a tribe, mm-hmm. uh, the state historic preservation officer is our our count, counterpart in the state, mm-hmm. and we uh, we have regulatory authority over lands within our homelands that may that are important to us, and where we may place religious or cultural significance. So mm-hmm. our you know, we are charged with uh, preservation and protection and oversight of of these areas, which are important to my tribe, the Sistanwapta right. Noyate. Okay. Well, Diane, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a wonderful um, chat, and I've learned a lot. And uh, I hope to remedy my lack of a cheapy, uh, Wachipi experience and to attend one soon. Okay, thank you. So thanks to our sponsor, the South Dakota Historical Society Foundation, and our partner, the South Dakota Public Broadcasting. But most importantly, thanks to you, the listener of this show. As always, if you like the show, please share it with friends and help us get the word out. 
The South Dakota Historical Society can be found on the web at history.sd.gov, and we'd appreciate you checking us out. Now go do some history. History.